Hey, it's your girl, Rosie. I'm back with another episode of The Rosie Perspective. I am joined today by a special guest. I have Officer Hernandez joining me today. If you want to say hello. Hi. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for agreeing to come on, y'all. So the girl phone, Officer Hernandez on TikTok. And I know I was talking hella shit saying I would never get on TikTok. And now your girl is obsessed with TikTok. But... <laughs> It's okay because I would have never found her if sis didn't get on TikTok. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, if you want to give the listeners a little bit of background information on who you are and your profession, and then we can get into the episode. Of course, of course. Okay, so I'm Officer Hernandez. Um, I'm currently an investigator for Department of Corrections um, and sometimes county jails whenever they call me in. Been doing this now for about 16 years, um, worked in many different areas. I've been a sergeant. Uh, I've worked in, let me see, gang task force. I've done that as well. Um, I've done YLA, women's prison, men's prison, maximum security, general population, camp level ones and twos. So um, over the 16 years, I worked in many different areas um, within law enforcement. Okay, yes, I see that because you do story times on TikTok and I see that you... Um, have a lot of background information on all tip, all types of different stuff. So what made you want to get into law enforcement, by the way? Actually, I didn't. This was not a career that I would have ever picked. Um, <laughs> one oh, of wow. And yeah, she was just like, hey, we're like really short down on officers. You know, I think that'd be a really good fit for you. And I'm just like, absolutely not. Um, so I went ahead and I did the application anyway on a Tuesday. By Thursday, I was being fingerprinted. And I think like Yay! the following Thursday, I started, yeah. And I just really grew a love for it because I do love structure. Um, so it just, just so happened to be a good fit for me. Okay, all right. So before I get into my questions that I have for the episode, um, I did mention that you do a lot of story times, which are fire. If you want to just give everyone um, your social media handles on where they can find you so they can hear these story times. Sure. So on TikTok, I am on there as at Pretty Sadity 84 and it's P-R-E-T-T-I-S-A-D-I-T-Y 84. Um, I'm also on Instagram as Officer Hernandez underscore Storytimes. So those are the two main platforms that I'm on right now. I do have a YouTube um, and it's called Word on the Compound. That's my, my channel on YouTube, but you can find most of my stories on TikTok. That's where I post them first. Okay. All right. Thank you. And I know I'm about to get into the questions, but I do want to say, and I know that you said that obviously with experience, that's pretty much how you got to where you are now. Cause sis, you don't fucking play. Okay. Like, I don't. <laughs> when you tell your stories, whether it's like other like COs or inmates, like you are not with the shits. Like, so like, right. how did you like build up? Like, I guess having to like work with so many different people, like just to build it up like okay well y'all not gonna be able to fuck with me because I'm sure like you interact with so many different personalities and a lot of yeah. maybe intimidating people or whatever but like how did you get to the point now where you're like okay well I'm just not gonna be one of the people that they can fucking play with right well I've actually always been like that um okay. I've always been like a more quiet person and say to myself you know I don't start troubles I don't start trouble with me type person but um going into that field you cannot go into that field you know, you don't have to be nasty going into, but you definitely have to be firm. And I come from a firm background, like my, my parents were firm. So <laughs> I just kind of like naturally developed that firmness. But yeah, I definitely um, don't play with them. 
I definitely don't go overboard. You know, I just go do my job, be fair, firm and consistent. And as far as like with coworkers and things like that, I'm pretty much the same way with them. So whether it's an inmate or whether it's a, you know, fellow staff member, I'm just pretty much the same all around. I'm always fair, but you're definitely not going to play with me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that's good. No, that's good. That makes sense. When it's already who you are, then I guess you don't have to change much going into it. So that works. Right. Um, all right, so I'm going to get into the first question that I had. So um, obviously I was watching your story time and one thing caught me kind of off guard in regards to one of your stories when you mentioned that, I guess because the inmates are property of the state, like if they have mm -hmm. a bruise or a scratch, et cetera, that each bruise or scratch is $50. Uh, what do you mean, sis? <laughs> I'm like, wait a okay. minute. <laughs> so it's kind of like signing up, you know, to go into the military. Um, they kind of signed up to come to prison, unfortunately. So it's not that they get charged $50 if they have any type of injury. It's more so of self-mutilation because a lot of them do come um in there and they do self-mutilate. Some of them do it for attention, some of them do it, some of them do it because they actually, you know, actually need the the mental health or whatever. But yeah, once you become property of the state, you are charged. If you decide that you're going to self-mutilate, you're going to get charged $50 for every scratch, bruise, mark, whatever you put on your body, we're charging you for it. And that money actually comes directly out of their inmate accounts. And um, before they can spend anything, it's already snatched out, just like Apple Pay. They take it quick, you know? So that's so pretty much the what they do is their property. So is the goal of that to like basically stop them from doing it? So exactly. They Mm-hmm. It's to stop them from doing it. So yep. does it work? Um, for some of them it does, and for some of them, for some of them it doesn't. Um, the ones that it does work for, they receive money regularly. And when you keep taking fifty dollars out, and you know, a cup of soup is like three dollars when it's sixty-four cents in a store, it kind of gets their attention. Like, hey, if you need some type of psychological psychological help, this is definitely not the way to get it. You know what I'm saying? But for some who really do have um, severe mental disorders, a lot of those inmates don't receive money anyway. They're indigent. So it doesn't matter how much, you, you know, you can't take anything more from them because they don't have anything. Right. So they're going to continue to do it. So they're housed separately. But if you're in general population and you're constantly, you know, self-mutilating, this is what tends to happen. You, you get your $50 taken. All right. So if they don't get any income or I mean, well, no money on their books or whatever the case is, that, that doesn't apply to them because you can't really take money from somebody who don't get no money. Well, it does, because sometimes when they come back, like for repeat offenders, when they do come back to prison, sometimes sometimes they get arrested with money on them and that money transfers over to state once they go to serve their state time. So they may have come in with one hundred and fifty dollars, but the last time they was there, they cut themselves. So by the time they get to state prison, we snatched that fifty dollars out of the account. <laughs> <laughs> ruthless <laughs> yeah yeah so the goal is to deter them from self-mutilation <laughs> yeah oh wow okay yeah I had never heard that so when you were telling the story and of course I know you got several questions about it um I never knew that that was even a thing um I mean obviously I'm sure they have to find different creative ways to try to get people not to do certain things in prison and I guess make it right money that they already don't have is right to stop um is there anything else like okay maybe not like the 50 dollars for each bruise or scratch but is there anything else that they kind of do um that you could think of that you know the typical person may not know that happens in prison as far as um the 50 dollars like the self-mutilation or just no other just stuff in, in general? general yeah if you can't think of anything that's fine there's but. listen prison is a city 
in itself. The same way we have transportation, you know, in the free world, they have transportation there, medical, dental, vision, chow hall, um, restaurant, like it's many different things that go on in there. And it's not just all just taken from them because um, they also have certain prisons in certain states that have like different activities that go on, like talent shows. Some of them have um, certain parades, like, I don't know if you watched the story when I said that my dad did 27 years in prison, but even going to different things and events that they had at those prisons, um, I don't think the community realized like they have, there's a prison that have certain parades and family days and things like that. Churches that come in on Sundays and yeah. provide services for them. And then after services, they provide meals, just like, you know, first Sunday at black church. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> those type of things go on there as well. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm sure in different states, everything's um, pretty different. Um, I do have a question that I thought of, but I will ask after um, I think the second question, because I did have a guest that came on because, um, you know, I love some jail talk. I don't know why. <laughs> I told you, I'll be on Netflix like, oh, they got a new jail documentary. Yeah. I like to watch. Do you watch a lot of jail documentaries by any chance? I don't. I don't anymore. I used to, but you know, uh, I get tired of it. Okay. <laughs> I get I mean, tired I'm of being sure. there and coming home and then being there again, you know, yeah, so I don't I watch bet. it. I, I bet, I bet, like, I, I like to watch, like, a lot of the um, worst jails around the world, and I mean, some of them are, t I mean, all jails, I'm sure, are terrible, but then there's, like, Norway, where it's like, okay, y'all are in a fucking hotel, like, y'all right, right. no damn jail, <laughs> and I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, and I, I know it's like, okay, they're helping them, you know, be able to go back out into the the world and kind of but I'm like nah they ain't living a little too good for somebody that killed somebody like right. I, I don't know definitely <laughs> but those people that are in those prisons there because um you know I also travel a lot to different prisons um but those people that are in those prisons like in Norway and stuff like that those countries don't really give them hard sentences for things like drug charges and things like that so they have to kill like they have to really be ruthless for them right. to get the time and then they're going to be serving a lot of time which a lot of them you know are serving life for at least 25 years plus so you know that becomes their home and I don't mind you know you'll start doing things that you shouldn't be doing or causing more problems within the prison which is why they give them all those luxuries because it's now their home true true yeah. I mean do you feel that way like if they're not going to be let out or do you feel like that if they'll be doing a certain amount of years I think that should be based on a certain amount of years. And it normally is. Okay. Um, just like, for instance, one of the story times I told y'all about one of the dorms, how it's like an honors dorm. Those inmates on that dormitory, they have to be serving a very lengthy sentence. And, and normally it's like 25 years or more. Okay. All right. Fair mm. enough. Yeah. I mean, because that's the thing. Like, for me, it's always like, I get it. And then sometimes I'm like, well, they live nicely. But then I get it because it's like, but these are still the people that are going to be let out and back into society. So it's like, right. yeah, they should not be like, you know, caged like animals. And then these are the same people that are supposed to go out and then live amongst people, work amongst people when they are or if they're able to get a job. So it's like, I get it at the same time. Of course, it depends on like what crimes they committed. And like you said, like the length of time. So I'm always right. watching things and I'm always like, hmm, like, I don't know. So um, which brings me to my next question, which surrounds um around the solitary confinement conversation um mm -hmm. which is one of the things that I love to like look up on YouTube and Google um what are your thoughts on solitary confinement especially working in the prison system like do you feel like 
in some sense, it's kind of justified because the inmates sometimes be while in, or you think like they should do away with that and come up with something, something completely new in order to like discipline them. Oh no, I a hundred percent agree with solitary confinement. Um, I guess, I guess what people need to understand is that I'm pro, I'm pro right. I'm not pro inmate. I'm not pro officer. I'm pro right. And a lot of the times the people that are serving this time on solitary confinement, they do not act like, you know, they're dealing with another human being. Like a lot of the stuff that goes on, like they assault officers really bad. They assault other inmates really bad. Um, you can have one inmate that's running a whole dorm, almost the whole compound. You know what I'm saying? Like they, right. they just run the whole compound. And so those inmates, they do, they need to be in solitary confinement. They don't need to be housed with other inmates. Um, you know, if you're not going to, you're already being punished, but if you're going to come here and then you're still going to continue to misbehave, popping sprinkler heads, assaulting staff, assaulting other inmates, you don't need to be around general population. You need to be in solitary confinement. Now, however, I do feel that anything more than six months, they need to be given an opportunity unless they've committed a murder inside of the prison or gained some outside charges, they need to be back into general population because psychologically, it does a lot to a person psychologically, not just the inmates, but the officers that work down there as well. So officers are generally rotated out of solitary confinement because of that reason alone. Right. Because I was going to that was going to be my second question. Like, do you think there's like a cap on the amount of time? Because, again, um, based on like stories from inmates that have been in solitary confinement and based on like, um, again, sis is going to say it, documentaries, you know, they talk about like the psychological damage it does. Because, I mean, come on, people have been in there. Some people are like, yeah, I six years in their houseway yeah. like that's yeah. crazy like no human contact four walls I can't even imagine how that like takes a toll on somebody so it's like how and, and I think it I mean I'm sure it happens at all prisons but it always brings me back to like Rikers Island because of course that's like right the worst jails or prisons ever so it's like how do you think like there should be some type of correction or some type of whatever when it comes to like the cap on solitary confinement and do you think there ever will be or you think it's just will forever remain fucked up that they'll just have to work around it at some point well see people don't necessarily inmates don't necessarily go to solitary confinement with the like hey you're gonna be down there for two years you know that's not always the case um like i said six months should be the cap on it a lot of institutions do have a cap on how long they can be in there the problem is that they go in solitary confinement and then commit another infraction, which gives them more time in solitary confinement. And then some people actually get so used to being in solitary confinement and want to be in one man's cells that they refuse to come out. Right. That happens often too. Um, but definitely nothing more than six months. I mean, if you're not going to keep the officers down there for six months, the inmates don't need to be down there for more than six months as well, just because of the psychological effect that it has on them. So I have two questions. First question is, I mean, again, you know better than I am, than I do, but you don't think six months is long too? Like six months is pretty long as well. Why do you, why do you pick six months being that you've been in the system so long? How did you come up with the six months mark? Because a lot of the times when you give them just like 10 days, 15 days, and they're running the institution, that's a threat to the staff and it's a threat to the other inmates. They get out in those 15 days, 30 days, and they're back doing the same thing that they was already doing before they went down there. So it's not enough time in the hole for them. So I think that six months, depending upon the infraction, yeah, you definitely should stay for those six months down there in the hole. 
Okay. All right. Fair enough. And then the second question is now, I know we're talking about the inmate now. You've said it a couple times, so I kind of wanted you to talk about it a little bit as far as the COs. You said, obviously, a lot of people, when they talk about um, solitary confinement and the impact on and psychological damage on the inmates, they don't really talk. I mean, to be honest, I've never even thought of the impact it had on the COs. So can mm -hmm. you kind of like talk about that a little bit? Because I think they kind of get lost in the sauce because I've never even considered what it does to them, which is pretty fucked up. But right. light on. I've never even thought about them. That's <laughs> fucked up. I'm sorry, y'all. Yeah. you talk about that? Definitely. Um, when you work six months in the hole, you hear a lot of screaming. You hear a lot of yelling. You have to deal with a lot of mental breakdowns with inmates. You have a lot of inmates that's trying to commit suicide and it's 24 seven, your entire shift. You're just running, 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 hearing somebody scream, trying to get somebody down from trying to hang themselves. I know that when I did my time in solitary confinement with those, I have had a lady to literally fall face first off her bunk on purpose. So when you have to keep running in cells and stopping people from committing suicide or kind of, you know, having to see blood everywhere because they've gotten a hold of something. So now they've cut themselves or they've fallen off a bunk on purpose or they're banging their heads on. You know, when you see that over and over and over again all day, six months at a time, all this screaming, um, yelling through the toilets, yelling through the vents, it does something to you, too. So when, when right. you come home, you can't get a full night's rest because you're having flashbacks in your sleep. And that's why I'm like pro get a therapist. And I have a therapist that I see because for so long dealing with that, you know, six months on the yard and six months back in a hole, you know, in a hole with the inmates, it takes a toll on you psychologically. You come home, you don't want to be bothered. When I used to come home, I didn't want to be bothered. I didn't want to talk. I didn't want to explain how my day went. I just wanted to take a shower and go to bed. And I had to do that all over again. So, you know, we're doing the time with them as well. Right. I was going to say, I was going to say that and. You know, I'm sure, I mean, I'm not sure because some people, you know, don't want to see a therapist, but like I was going to ask, and I'm sure there are probably some trainings or some help, I'm sure, or whatever um, offered to staff because that's a lot. Like I I personally don't think I would be able to, I think that would be a job where I would take that home with me, whether it's like, um, you know, some fucked up shit that happened that I saw <laughs> or heard or, um, you know, let's say someone did take their own life or like you witness somebody else take somebody else's life. There's just so much right. that happens. Like, I would not be able to like not take that home with me. And I know right. I had one friend that did. Um, she worked at a prison before and that was short lived. OK, sis was like, you know what? I'm gonna write this up. <laughs> she was like, uh, absolutely the fuck not. Yeah. She was like, I had to get out of there. Like, I just was not able to take it. I think she probably did like six months and she was um a woman but she worked in a male prison and she was mm -hmm. like yeah, it's a no for me dog she's just like no I, I just couldn't take it so right like, uh, are there other things aside from people getting um a therapist on their own that they do offer to folks um or it's kind of like figure well it out. you know they're not really offering you much of anything I mean you get That's you know crazy. training uh but <laughs> you get that good state insurance so you know I use it I utilize it um the best way I can I've learned over the years to not bring that home with me. Um, a couple of years ago, I think I finally stopped bringing it home. I'm just like, listen, I'm just going to leave it. I'm just going to leave it at whatever institution I was at for the day, because <laughs> I was so institutionalized that I only gave my family tissue on a certain day of the week, because that was the day of the week that the prison gave out tissue to inmates. Oh, wow. <laughs> They're probably like, girl, if you don't give me some damn tissue. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But yeah, they don't, um, I mean, you know, you do have a line that you can call, but 
everybody uh, probably assumes that people that work in these facilities are professional. They're not. A lot of the therapists that you're going to get are going to be therapists that works in an institution and everything isn't confidential. So I never really recommend for anybody unless they can't afford, you know, the state insurance. I don't recommend anybody to get a therapist um, through the job. I always say get a private therapist. So that way your, your business is confidential. Okay. All right. Cause yeah, you did say like, in, in addition to like the inmates, like a lot of the, um, the workers and a lot of the COs and a lot of the, um, people that work in prisons are, it's kind of like high school and yeah. a lot of gossiping and a lot of stuff goes on. How do you like know who to trust? And I know you say you go to different, like, um, prison institutions and stuff like I know you really there for the work based on what it sounds like you're not here for play like you don't really want to know nobody like that but like you do kind of have to work amongst each other to get the job done in a sense like how do you know who you can really or you don't even get to that level you just there to get the job done and call it a day uh it's the catch 22 um people I guess whose energy matched mine okay. I'll trust a bit more but um, I sit back and I watch a lot of stuff. I don't do a lot of talking unless I have to. And if I know that you're an officer that's always in something or every time I turn around, I got a report and it has your name on it. I definitely don't have too many words to say to you, <laughs> you know, yeah. besides good or what is it that you need from me um, as an investigator? And that's it. Um, you don't really want to trust too many people in there because they're they can be worse than the inmates that are there. Right, Honestly, they right. get started between inmates and inmates, you know, so. I just pretty much say to myself, I just, I've learned to just go there and do my job, which I'm that way anyway. So um, just sitting back and watching different things that's happened between different officers. I'm just like, yeah, I, yeah, it won't be me. Y'all won't get me. <laughs> won't get me. I mean, they set each other up. They tried to set me up before, you know what I'm saying? So I don't, yes. I don't do so much. I know. I heard that story time. Wasn't that the one where, um. They try to get you to go to another, well, they try to get you to go to another bathroom, but then they put something in your bag. Right, right, right. And so I, you yeah. was, you was too smart to get caught up and you was like, absolutely the fuck not. This was right. Not <laughs> you will not get me. You will not. Now I have worked for um one county before. Everybody there was pretty much legit. Like they was there to literally do their job with inside of policy. Um, to this day, I don't live in that state anymore, but to this day I travel back and forth to, you know, events and stuff that they have. That's probably the only place. Um, and just the institution as a whole, like they got out, you know, kind of like weeded out all the bad people. So that was ran pretty well. But um, anything else? No, you can't even expect me to trust you. <laughs> Everybody's a suspect. So I, I'll ask and I don't feel like I know you've talked about race in your stories. Um, I don't recall if it's necessarily been well. Actually, you did say not all skin folk is kin folk. So oh, I don't I don't quite remember that story exactly. because um, I remember mm -hmm. you said something about race in regards to um folks that are arrested and brought in and um, you know, the white and the black folks being brought in are treated differently, even mm -hmm. if they have like multiple charges and the black person never had any charges. The white person get a phone call, but the black person is brought right. to a different place. Um, which I guess with that is frustrating within itself because it's so like it's blatant and we all know that it happens but it's still like damn like it's really still happening um mm -hmm. but I was going to ask as far as like working among CEOs of um, all different races do you feel like black folks treat other black folks any worse or any whatever as far as that I really can't remember the story you stated that all skin folk and kin folk was that right. a story in regards to co-workers Right. So um, I came, I was new in the state 
the investigator in the state. And it was only three people that were melanated skin. Um, just so happened oh, yeah. to be, I was, she was a female and we had, you know, a male or whatever. And she just made it plain and clear to him that she was not going to show me around. She didn't have time for that. She didn't want, you know, none of us working with them. She didn't want another black female working. We were messy, you know, stuff like that. So I don't think that she even realized like, miss, you're, you're a corporal. Do you know how long it's going to take you to get to investigator? Like, do you know how many different positions I could have set you up and put you in for the betterment of you? You know what I'm saying? And you didn't want to show me and you don't have to because I'm going to learn it regardless. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? So um, unfortunately, that does happen a lot. I don't know what it is. It's just like they want to be the only black person right. um, sitting in the midst of, you know, of, of white people. Um, I guess that makes them feel like they're closer to, um, I don't know, white proximity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it happens. It happens. It happens. And definitely because um, I've worked in courtrooms before as well um and preliminary hearings which is kind of like your trial before your trial so you know i get to see um what you call the discovery papers and they go over the entire trial and what's going to go on at trial between the inmates and i literally have seen white inmates get drug court and the same black inmate can have the same charge and be sent to prison it, it happens it happens every day like it's, it's almost disgusting so it's unfortunate but it does happen do you have like I mean, I know you ain't got all the answers, but do you, like, what would you, do you have any pointers on how a Black person can try to work around it or what they could say or whatever? Obviously, we can't control, you know, society and the way that the prison system and the laws weren't originally set up for us anyways, but do you have any, like, what can we try to do about it if they're in a situation where it's like, okay. You want me to keep it, you want me to keep it real, real with you? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Keep it real, okay. real. First of all, I'm going to need for every Black person, if you're going to be out here taking penitentiary chances, you need to put you aside at least 80000 for a good attorney. That's the only thing that's going to get you um, the same sentence that, as your white counterparts. Um, right. They can start there. You know what I'm saying? Because you're taking these penitentiary chances that's going to get you a lot of the time. And when we're looking at these documents and when I'm signing these warrants, all I see is that you're a Black male. That's all that they need to see is that you're a Black male or you're a Black female. That's already strikes counted against you. You know what I'm saying? So you can't be out here doing the same thing that white folks can do. So stop taking these chances and not having money for an attorney. And then you have to come in here and I have to go ahead and do a questionnaire as to whether or not you're going to get a public defender. When you get a public defender, you're going to get time. They work for the state. You know what I'm saying? So it doesn't matter if you're innocent or not. You're going to get these charges so that they can eliminate all of that by going ahead and making sure that if you're going to take these chances, put you $80,000 aside for an attorney. Because so I know some attorneys. There's no way attorney. they can work around it. They need to have an attorney, <laughs> a paid attorney, not not a public defender, a paid attorney. And I say that because, you know, I've rubbed a lot of elbows with a lot of people. So I know attorneys that can literally get you out of the situation before you make it to bond court. This is this is what white people do. Mm. You right, you right. So do you feel like you've seen situations where a white person also has a public defender, same situation, public defender, and they get out of it where a black person, same situation, public defender, and they don't? Absolutely. That that happens um, very often. They know you're not supposed to be able to choose who your public defender is, but somehow some of them can still choose who their public defender is. Um, they work for the, that. That's why I said, you know, I see some that get drug court. Some of those have public defenders, but the black person is going to jail. There's really no way around that for a black person. If you're there, and, I'm, and hold on, not even just a black person, I'm saying anybody who has a darker complected skin color, you know, you can be, um, you know, Hispanic, you're going to get it. 
You can be Haitian. You're going to get it. You're going to get the time. They want to give it to you. Prison is not made for white people. It's made right. for black people. It's made for people with melanated skin. So right. there's really no way to get around that besides making sure that you either know somebody in high places or making sure that you have at least $80,000 set aside for your time. Nobody's going to really win. I, I, I've never seen anybody get off with a public defender yet. That's fucked up. I mean, which, which is believable. I mean, I know on social media they make jokes and stuff, and they're like, well, if you got a public defender, just prepare to go to jail. Like, mm -hmm. I know they got the jokes and everything, but I mean, it's really an unfortunate situation where it's like you literally can be in the same situation with a non-white, I mean, a non-black person, a non-person uh, of color, and it's like you're going to jail, and they easily know that they're going home, and it's, it's sad right. that have to like just witness it and accept the fact that it's going to happen but I mean again it's like like you said just try not to put yourself in a situation but then there's obviously the situations where you didn't put yourself in the situation there's things that like either you got set up or you know right. mistaken identity and there's so it's obviously that part too so it's not a matter of like oh well you know you did it to yourself no we all know like there's different right. situations so we're not saying like oh people are literally putting themselves in situations to go to jail we're talking to the people that are deliberately doing criminal activities okay like, right 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 and listen um, this is what i always say i'm just like hey if you can't afford an attorney and you know that you're going to commit a crime, you better go ahead and find, make sure you commit your crime around election time. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot of these, um, <laughs> a lot of these uh, prosecutor or lawyers that are trying to go up for prosecutor, sometimes they take these cases pro bono so that they can go ahead, you know, that makes them look good. You know, they, they're winning these big cases, so they're going to go ahead and slide them on in as prosecutor. So yeah, you better find you one that's going to take it pro bono around election time. That's the only way you're going to get around this one. <laughs> mm, okay. All right. So now, I mean, the criminals that are listening, don't do that. But <laughs> but you did give them some information um, on when to commit these damn crimes. But speaking of which, I have a question. Now, I know you don't really watch them anymore. 60 days in. Now, mm -hmm. I know when they go in for these, the quote-unquote uh, CEOs don't know about it. You think they know that, that they're doing the show? I think they know unless they're new or haven't been um, a CEO, you know, long, you can kind of, you know, I think they know. Mm. Definitely. Okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think, they know. I mean, how could you not? It's like, you know, if you really have been doing your job over the years and paying attention, you won't pick up on it pretty good. Right. Cause their personality like never fits the rest of, I mean, granted there's so many different personalities and so many different types of people um, within the prison system, but they always kind of stand out. And I don't know if it's cause I'm watching the show, but it's always like someone that's not like hardcore. That's like, yeah, shut the fuck up. And it's right. like, oh, bye. <laughs> yes. Yes. Definitely. Like, yeah. Like you, you think that's fair to treat the inmates like this? Like, right. no. Come on, like, who are you, mm -hmm. like, the activist for the damn prison? Like, at this point, <laughs> this is hell. So I'm always curious, but I watch every season because it's good. But still, I'm like, at this point, how do they not know? Not know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then lastly, before I get to the last question, the question that I had was, um, as an investigator, your personal opinion, do you feel like, because the guest that I had on, he was from the Bay Area in Cali, and he had gone to prison for like a couple years. Um, so he wasn't there for mm -hmm. a long time. 
time. However, it did greatly impact him um, based on his experience. And he stated that he literally doesn't feel um, like jail is a rehabilitation center. Like he feels like they don't do shit to actually rehabilitate people. Um, they just send you back out. Uh, they give you money to take the bus or whatever and call it a day. He said they don't provide um, any programs or any resources or whatever the case is when people leave. Again, I'm sure state to state is different. I don't know. I did ask him, do they provide sources or et cetera? And people don't actually like utilize them. He's like, no. Um, again, his experience. Do you think in your personal experience, experience that jail could really be a rehabilitation center if people actually utilize the resources and things that they give it or so I feel that <clears throat> prison in itself or correctional facilities within themselves um they you know a correctional facility is there to rehabilitate you suppose allegedly allegedly is it going to rehabilitate you absolutely not if you came in there with the mindset that you're 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 gonna change, then you're gonna change. But if you came in there with the mindset, you know, like oh whatever, I'm just gonna do my time, then you're just gonna do your time. There are resources available, but if you're not persistent on asking and making sure that you're getting yourself into these programs and so on and so forth, then of course not. But at the same time, it's all within your mentality and what you're prepared to do for yourself. Because imagine I'm really like prison is a multi-billion trillion dollar industry. Do you really think that they're going to rehabilitate these people? No, they're making at least at the at the minimum about two hundred and thirty dollars a day per each inmate. Right. Why would I want you to go back into society? I want right. you to be in prison because I need to make this money. So you really have to rehabilitate yourself. I mean, you may come across a good counselor, you may come across a good officer, you know what I'm saying? But you have to keep busy, be in these programs, and it has to be a decision that you're making because prison in itself or correctional facilities within themselves, they're not really going to rehabilitate you. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I... You're, you're limited with resources. They literally, like you said, you're going to get a bus ticket or we're going to drop you off at the bus station. Um, You're not even going to, you know, straight bus station and you might get $25. So if you're not even prepared to go back out there into society, you know what I'm saying? If you don't have the available resources, nine times out of 10, you're going to come back. Right. 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 Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people that do end up, um, you know, leaving prison, I know I've had a cousin that has, he's been going in and out of jail for like his whole life. And mm -hmm. I think he's still out now, but the most recent time he came out, um, you know, he had to learn how to do a bunch of things all over again. And then he was so mm -hmm. frustrated that he's just like, this is why I be going back in. Like I, at this point, like I'm trying to get my papers right and everything. And I'm running to all these roadblocks. That it usually makes me just go back to my old ways. And that's usually why I just end up back in there because I don't have yeah. to worry about all this shit, which I know a lot of people end up having that mindset. And that's how they end up back in there because they're kind of like, I high key don't have to worry about this shit while I'm in there, which is right. you know, pretty sad right. for them to feel that way. When you're released, you know, if you don't have the available resources or the necessary tools to get acclimated back into society, it is going to be hard. So I think that's, you know, one of the main reasons that people go back and forth to prison, but also because they can avoid responsibility. Yeah, they don't but responsible. You know, they don't have to pay. They don't have to pay bills, although they end up paying in a different way. You know what I'm saying? Because I say that prison is not free because everything there is so much more expensive. But um, some of them do. They and then other others have a lifestyle that they can't really freely live on the street, so they freely live in prison. Right, mm -hmm. which is pretty unfortunate. I mean, 
you know, the saying they have out there like, oh, well, in prison, it's three hots and a cot. Like, they just make it seem like, oh, well, I ain't got nothing to worry about, which I get in the same. But for me, like, you're literally wasting your entire existence behind a mm -hmm. prison. Like, I, for me, it's so mind boggling. I feel like it's so sad. Like, there's just so much out here to do in life. Like, whether it's traveling, spending time with your family, procreating, like getting married. Right. Like, there's just so much to do. So imagine like spending 25 years, 10 years, like by the time some of them come out, they don't even know like what's happening out here. Like, it's like picking up a phone, a smartphone. They're like, wait, how do you, what is this? Like the right. fact that you are not up to date with what's going on in real time. I don't, for me, it's so sad. And I know it's not like, because they deliberately want to, it's just kind of been the life that they were dealt with. Mm -hmm. depending on whatever the situation is and again the fact that people feel like it's easier to just go back because they can't really deal with what the outside what? is like dealing with or how to mm -hmm. live on the outside I don't know that kind of just sucks that that's the case um I know a lot of it has to do with decisions like people have to make good decisions but a lot of it has to do with other circumstances that other people didn't have to and then there's accidents you know there's like accidental hit and runs and then you have to serve prison time or oh, not hit and run right. your ass ran that means your last right day <laughs> <laughs> so not that I, first day <laughs> i've known somebody um that could not get health care they, they had done time in prison but they couldn't get health care when you know they went back into the free world and they found out that they had cancer where well, he knew exactly what crimes to commit and how long the sentence was going to be so that the state would have to pick up on the medical part of his uh so the state would have to pay for his medical wow. while he went through treatment so you know people go to prison for all different reasons and that just happened to be one of them <laughs> wow i never heard yeah. that before. you see yeah. like there's just different reasons man i yeah. mean it's just a crazy world out there so i mean people do what they got to do and sometimes it's a good thing why they i mean not a good thing per se why they go but in in his aspect look at the way he decided he was going to go in prison right like you don't even think about stuff like that unless you're in a situation where you're like what are my options on getting treatment exactly. kind of sucks that that's what he resulted to but he had to do what he had to do he or she but um had to do what they had to do but um all right so the last topic that I wanted to discuss um I had told somebody that I was gonna have you on so he was like uh -huh. oh, um ask her how she feels about it and I don't know if you had a chance to read the article of you had heard about it but it's in regards to um the transgender inmate that had been um at one of the prisons in new jersey that had impregnated two female inmates right yeah i did um i did look over the article a bit <laughs> i did um this is i am pro whatever you want to be okay. um pro everything right so if you want to identify as a as a woman i am i'm okay with that vice versa however i do not agree with him being at a female's institution and this is why whatever you are waist down is where you need to be housed because they did not take into consideration the fact that just because somebody says oh well i want to identify as a woman it does not mean that he no longer likes women right i i've, I've you know had several encounters with transgender inmates and i've been told several times like you know, I, I don't like men. Like, I, you know, I identify as a female, but I don't like men. So I don't even understand why they even allowed that, you know, to happen. I think sometimes they do it because, you know, so many times people get sued by the LGBT community 
um, for discrimination. They feel like everything is discrimination to the point that now y'all have put a transgender inmate, which is fine. You know, if he was, if he was already changed from the bottom below, then that's fine. But when you come in, whatever you are from the waist down is where you need to be housed because it's not just about him or her. It's now about the totality of circumstances. Now you're, um, you know, you're biologically a male inmate that's housed with women and you know some of these women just like these men you know they they you know get to see no razzle dazzle in a long time right, right. <laughs> so why would not that's you know why would not be you know ready for it you know yeah 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 i wonder what the thought process behind that was when they were you know processing the inmate into the institution like right who approved this? Why was this a thing? And the, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know there's a lot going on with like, you know, everyone accepting um, people to be who they are, which is perfectly fine. However, mm -hmm. look what occurred. Like, I don't understand who approved this exactly. Right. And now you have pregnant inmates. Like, so how does that work? Like, I don't even know. I mean, what happens now? I mean, obviously, what the inmates just have the babies and call it a day. Now they've transferred, but I don't know if they stated whether or not they transferred. Is it now? Did they state? Do you know? I don't know. Um, it didn't say. I didn't read much. I mean, I didn't see anything that said. You know, where I know that that uh transgender inmate was transferred out, but as far as the one, the inmates that are now impregnated, you know, by her. <laughs> They're just going to, um, now that's a bill that the state has to pay for. And they'll have, you know, 24, maybe at the max 72 hours for a family member to come and pick up, you know, the baby or whatever. But it's unfortunate. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why they would have ever put her in a prison with female, you know, inmates just because that's how she identifies when biologically you're still a male. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But yeah, um, yeah, I seen that story and I just kind of wanted to get your opinion on that since you, you know, work in the field. I think you had said at some point you're gonna start a podcast or something. Did I hear that correctly? I am. I am. I'm trying to um figure that out. <laughs> right okay. Now. But um definitely um starting a podcast and, and it's gonna be a little bit different from um, what you see on TikTok. I mean, it'd be story times, but out of the mouths of other people. So I'll have, you know, other officers on who may have fell for the okie doke with inmates. You know, my podcast is going to be a no judgment zone. I just, you know, oh, we just want the tea. Oh, That's all. Lord. <laughs> I can only imagine what we're doing. Yeah. Um, so it'll be surrounded by that. It'll, it'll be surrounded by, um, you know, prison wives, the prison husbands. Um, and then I also, I'm going to, I also have like a lineup of ex-offenders who want to come, you know, and tell what really goes on, you know, in prison, things that the community needs to be aware of. Um, but for the most part, I just enjoy educating um, the community and let them know what actually goes on there. This is where your tax dollars are going. Um, if you want to see some change, you better start um, really thinking about who you're voting for because that's the only way, you know, a lot of this stuff is going to change. So, you know, I'm just here to give the good, the bad, and the ugly. Yes, you are, which I definitely appreciate not only your story times, but I can say like a lot of your stories that you do talk about, although like, you know, you give the tea, you're funny, and they're also informative. I do want to commend you for being like a fair person, whether it's like um, an inmate, like again, although they're inmates and there's some, you know, that are, you know who they are. There are inmates that aren't bad people, which you've stated. Right. And if something's not 
going down the way it's supposed to like you find out all the proper information right you treat them fairly and you address the situation in the correct manner and you make sure that whoever is responsible for whatever it is gets the proper discipline whether it is the inmate or whether it is a co or whether it is like whoever it is so i do commend you on that because you you definitely be holding it down i feel like you (laughs) That's so nice of her. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, look, I know some people just like, oh my gosh, she's always on the inmate side, you know, and it's not that. It's just the fact that, you know, right is right and wrong is wrong. And honestly, a lot of stuff that has happened to me or could have happened to me, it was the inmates that was saving my behind, really. Right. And true. You know, giving me the tea, like, this is what they're trying to do to you. You know, this is what's going on, you know, stuff like that. So, um, I just like, you know, I just feel like they come in there. Some people are coming in there. They're just doing their time. And they just want to go home. I'm not trying to make it any harder for them. I'm not trying to go above policy, you know, just let them do their time and go home. And the same way with, with the officers, like just come to work and do your job and go home. They're not going to pay you any more money, you know, for mistreating somebody. And that could be somebody, you know, that's somebody's son or daughter or sister or brother or whatever. And these inmates, the majority of the population, they're going home. They're not going to be there forever. Right. You know, and you can see some of these people again. Like, there's a lot of um, ex-offenders that's always in my comment section, you know, thanking me for, you know, treating them fairly or whatever. And I'm just like, I'm glad I'm one of the fair ones because right. if I wasn't, they'd probably <laughs> jump me. <laughs> I would have been like, oh, it's you. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, no, which, you know, is, is completely true. And again, like, a lot of the people in there, some of them do deserve to be in there. Some of them either made a mistake or some of them, you know, again, accidents happen, et cetera. Like, you know, one of your, I don't know how, I think it was one of the recent recent ones when you were talking about your childhood friend that you've seen in there, um, right. which was pretty crazy. It was just like, you had, hadn't seen her in so long. And when you did, it was like, she ended up in there. And it's just like, you know, based on, um, you know, what had transpired, why she ended up right. in there. But it's just like, you know, it's like, if someone does something and it it doesn't matter if it's a CEO or not, and it's like you can be a fair person, like you don't. But you know, sometimes people are on a power trip, especially you know when it comes to law enforcement. People feel like if they can be a dick, then they will be a dick. And it's like if you don't need right. to be an inmate or not, like if they didn't do something wrong and you know who did, like treat mm-hmm. them fairly. But you know, it takes a special type of person, especially in law enforcement, to actually treat people you know the right way. So I commend you for being one of right. those. I appreciate it. Um, I think just think that people need to understand, like, we're literally, I'm not above, you know, anybody else. We're literally one decision away from being an inmate. Right. That's, That's the reality. So scary. I know. <laughs> yes. I yep. know that's so scary. I'm <laughs> yeah, that's the scary part. That is the scary part. But um I'm gonna thank you once again to, for coming on the show. I really, uh, you know, enjoyed our prison talk. You know, that's like my the highlight of my life <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I definitely appreciate it. I um, I am thankful that you were able to come on, and you know, such a short notice because we did kind of just plan it. But right. Um, <laughs> look forward to your podcast and whatever you plan on working on I will be tuning in I do look forward to your guest in the hot tea because it's going to be piping hot Um, (laughs) Um, once again if you want to give the listeners your social media handles on where to find you I know uh, TikTok seems to be where you have most of your stories Um, but if you can give them all your social media handles so they can 
Sure. So on TikTok, you can find me at Pretty Sadity84, and it's spelled P-R-E-T-T-I-S-A-D-I-T-Y-84. On YouTube, my channel is Word on the Compound. And on Instagram, it's Officer Hernandez underscore Storytimes. Fabulous. Okay. So once again, listeners, thank you for tuning in to another episode. And until next time, bye.